to speak his word. I thank pastors Aaron and Pastor Jen for this honor. It is truly an honor and I don't take it lightly. You know, it's, it's amazing to, to have pastors in your life and, and people who really care, you know. So I just, I thank our pastors for the opportunity and, and the trust and the, they just love on us even when we feel like nobody else is there for us. We get a text, we get a call, so I just, I want to take this time to, to appreciate and love on our pastors. And also keep them in prayer. Pastor Aaron will be ministering Wednesday down in Orlando. Isn't that our pastors? Make the most of every opportunity. Yeah, give it up. They're down there for vacation, and they're still going to minister the word. So what an example. Yes, thank you for our pastors. So before I start, if everyone would just agree, I'd like to go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you and I praise you, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity, God. I thank you, God, for this this chance, God, to just spread forth your word. I pray, God, that I will be a willing vessel, God, that I would not speak anything unless it's from you, God, and that you would bless your people, God, that they would receive it, God, and their hearts would be changed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So today, I'd like to ask everyone a question, but you don't have to answer out loud. Do you feel like you have a void in your life? So, void, right? That, that's what God spoke to me last Sunday. It, that's, when you hear the word void, what's the first thing you think of? Empty, right? A lot of different things, void. First thing that I think of when I hear the word void is a check. When you're paying your bills, right? Not too many people use checks that much anymore. Everybody uses their debit card, but... When you use a check and you're writing it out and you make a mistake on your check and you don't want anybody else to use it, you don't want it to be good for nothing else, you write the word void on your check. And, and God just, just showed me it makes it useless. So I looked up the word void. And here's what the dictionary says about the word void. Void is not valid or legally binding. So God, just show me that there's some people in here who may feel like you don't matter. Like nobody cares how you feel or what you got to say. You kind of feel like that void to check. Another meaning of void is useless. Has anyone in here ever felt useless? Like you can't be used by God. Thank God, Cindy, you're awesome. <laughs> maybe some of us in here feel like maybe we're too far gone. God can't meet me where I'm at. I'm just too far gone. This is just my lot in life. That's the way it's always been, and that's the way it's always will be. Sometimes we feel like, what's the sense in trying? not going to change. Hasn't changed in 30 years. What's the sense? It's useless to even try. Another meaning of void. Completely empty. Like you don't have nothing left to give. I'm not smart enough. Maybe some of you even in here feel like Moses in Exodus 4.1 if everybody's reading our Bible plans and following along. Moses felt who will listen to me? 
Maybe some of us feel like that. Lastly, the definition of avoid is an emptiness caused by a loss. Anybody in here ever experience a loss that you feel like you will never recover from? You know, I, I watched this movie, Courageous, and it was amazing. We were home, and my mom's like, hey, you guys want to watch this movie? It's a God movie. And I'm like, wow, thank you, God. That's an answered prayer. My mom is telling me to watch a God movie. So I just, I thank God for moving in people's life. It, it's amazing. Now, I don't want to spoil the movie for anybody, but if you did not see this movie, please go and see it. But go home and watch it. It's amazing. In the movie, the guy experiences a great tragedy in his life. And he goes to his pastor for advice. And he said he feels like he is in the dark. He wants to trust the Lord, but he don't understand what he's doing. So I ask the question again. Do you feel like you have a void in your life? Do you feel like something is missing in your life? I just want to make sure that I'm talking to the right people, to the right person who needs to hear this word. So I want to show you someone in the Bible who actually felt the same way. So if everyone would turn to Matthew 19, verse 16. I saw some Bibles in the house. Hopefully we'll, we'll break them out and go to Matthew 19, verse 16. And I've heard this story before, but God gave me a different revelation about it. And, you know, that's, that's the amazing thing about the Bible. Sometimes we can read these same stories, and they're true, and they're alive. But when God gives you a revelation, it just, like, turns it into a whole other realm. So the title of the heading says, Jesus Counsels the Rich Young Ruler. So, verse 16 says, Now, behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So that tells us that the rich young ruler was concerned about where he spent eternity. That's why he asked Jesus, What good thing shall I do? The rich young ruler thought, he could earn his way into heaven. Because it, I, it's been working for him so far. He's acquired many things. So he thought there was just one good work that he could do. And that's it. He's in. Just, just do this one good work. But this chapter lets us know that's not how God works. It doesn't work that way. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't do any good works to get into heaven. There's not... That's not the way it works, so just follow me because I'm going somewhere with this. So let's read Jesus' response to him. Verse 17. So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Jesus answered him with his authority, referring to, that God is good. So why do you call him good? So obviously, you, you appreciate and understand his authority. And it says, basically, if you want to know, 
I'm going to tell you. Keep the commandments, right? Verse 18. He said to him, which ones? So Jesus responds back to him. Are you serious, you knucklehead? No, he don't, right? Just seeing if you're paying attention. He is specific. He is specific. He says, let's read what Jesus says back to him. Verse 18. Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. And you shall not bear false witness. So I was studying this because I asked the question, why would he quote them back with the Ten Commandments? Why would he quote him back these four? And God revealed to me through studying and and reading that that was to test his relationship with people. And I was like, wow, God, you, you really are specific and strategic in everything you do. Even down to this question, he was specific. So in reading on verse 20, it says, The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? You see, church, he knew there was still a void in his life. He knew there was something missing in his relationship with Jesus. He knew in his heart something just, just wasn't 100%. And that's when Jesus tests his relationship with God. And Jesus said to him in verse 21, If you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And studying this, and it, the reason Jesus asked him to sell all he had, not because Jesus wanted him to, to give rid of all of his riches and all of his possessions, the reason Jesus asked him this was because the void in his life, in the rich young ruler's life, he was taking all his possessions and trying to fill the void with all these possessions. And that's why Jesus asked him to sell it, give it to the poor, and come follow him. Because Jesus wanted all of it. His possessions was holding him back from the fullness of what God had in store for him. That's why he asked, get rid of what you got. Because it was holding him back. But you see, church, one important thing. God allowed the void in his life. God allows the void to be in our lives. So I ask the question, what have you been filling the void in your life with? You've been filling it with work? Been filling it with food? Shopping? Medication? Drugs? Alcohol? You know, we, we tempt to, uh, we try to fill these voids with so many different things. Because in life, there's, there's a lot of things fighting for our attention. Sometimes it could be overwhelming. And you know, whatever it is that you personally are trying to fill the void in your life with, 
that's the very thing God will ask you to lay down and give it to him. Because God wants you to be in fullness with him. So whatever it is, people, oh, well, I'm going to work. I'm providing for my family. Not doing anything wrong. But if you're putting work before your family, if you're putting work before God, anything that you put before God is an idol. We make up these idols. You know, if we're overflowing ourselves with, Holly gave a great message about not just doing church, but being the church, you know? Sometimes we could get caught up with titles. Oh, well, I serve in church. I go to church. I'm not a bad person. But if we're not seeking God and asking God, what is the will that you have for my life? Me, personally. Make it personal. Put your name in there. God, what do you have in store for me? What is the will? Why do you have me here upon this earth? What it is that you will want me to accomplish for your glory today, God? When we take it serious. You know, V, that was an important point. Praise God with everything we got. You know, we, we get these opportunities and, and sometimes we want to give God a half-hearted praise, but we want a hundred percent blessing. We want our prayers to be heard. 100%. But we give God only half or less. And, and I'm not trying to get down on nobody. I'm guilty of it myself. But you know, that's what God is saying. The first thing we must do is admit we have a need. Admit we are in need of a Savior. You know, God, I give you my finances. God, I give you my family. I give you my addictions. I give you my all. Because when we do that, that's when we give God something he can work with. We have to be willing. We have to say, God, I know that there's voids in my life. And God, I just, I surrender and I submit them to you. So... Now that you know who allows a void in your life, I'm sure you're probably wondering, why would God allow a void in my life? Or at least if you're not, you're, you're probably wondering now. The reason is because he is the only one who can fill that void. God allows these things to happen, so we come to him. But we have a choice. We do one of two things. We either run to God, or we run away from God. So today, God is saying, will you run to God? Allow him to make you whole. Allow him to fill that void. Allow him to do what he wants to do in your life. Because you know, sometimes we wonder, why do bad things happen to good people? Have you ever wondered that? I've wondered that. But the reason why is so they can know they can't make it on their own. We are all in need of a Savior. And most importantly, we are all in need of a Savior at all times. None of us in here are perfect. There was only one perfect person, and that was Jesus Christ. So we are all in need of a Savior at all times. 
God has been driving this in my spirit at all times. Because we may fail. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you're going to fail. I'm not wishing that on you. But God says, while we, are, while, while we are here upon the earth, we will have trials and tribulations. But it's during those trials and tribulations that our faith can endure. That when our faith is tested, we will come out stronger than before. Stronger than ever. You know, Miss Mel was talking about building up spiritual muscles. And that's the way that muscle builds. You've got to work it. You've got to work it. You've got to use it. If you don't use it, you lose it. And that's the way God works. We've got to use that spiritual muscle. God wants you to live your best life. Not your okay life. Not your, I'm good. You know, I used to live in Pennsylvania and we moved here to Maryland. And I heard that expression, I'm good. And I didn't understand it. I'm like, what do you mean you're good? You'd ask people a question that's, I'm good. I don't want to live my good life. I want to live my best life. I want to do everything that God has me to do. You know, and, and this word is convicting enough to me. And that's why it's so powerful when I share it. Because once you get a hold of it and you run with it and allow God to move. Because Kitty would have never got up here and preached God's word. But it's only God being that willing vessel that's what you got to do. Here I am, Lord, send me. Because when we are willing and we allow God to do his part, because sometimes, you know, we want to do it all. I got this, God. I got it. I don't need you today. I don't need you right now. And when that happens, God always allows something to come up. You know, you could be having a good day, and in something, you'll just get a little hiccup, and you're like, wow, God. God always... He doesn't always do that to, to punish us or, or to be a, a cruel God. He just wants to let us know we need him all the time, all the time. But we must confess our sins, our shortcomings. God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know you are the only one who can make it happen. When we do that, that's when that void will be filled, and it will be filled with Jesus. Because it's a minute-by-minute minute walk. Habakkuk 2.1. It says, Habakkuk 2.2 is actually our verse for the year, but I want to read Habakkuk 2.1. It says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. You see, evil and justice seem to have the upper hand in the world. But like Habakkuk, Christians often feel angry and discouraged as they see what goes on. And that's why Habakkuk complained vigorously to God about the situation. If you go back and you read in chapter 1, he is saying, 
He wasn't happy with the way God was dealing with these people. So it goes on to say, this is why he was complaining vigorously about the situation. But God's answer to Habakkuk is the same answer he would give us. Be patient. Trust the process. God will work out his plans in my perfect timing. God knows the perfect time. God already has a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not evil, to give you a hope and a future. God's timing is perfect. You know, God, it, God, it isn't easy to be patient during this time. You know, we, we always, we want it done our way. We want it the McDonald's way, my way, right? We want it perfect. But God is saying, God knows it, it isn't easy for us to be patient. He, he created us. Don't forget, you are created in God's image, and God created you. But it does help to remember that God hates sin even more than we do. And the punishment of sin will certainly come, as God told Habakkuk, to wait for it. To trust God fully means to trust him even when we don't understand why the incidents occur. No matter what, to trust him. To trust him because God is saying to stop trying to figure it out on your own. Have faith. What is faith? Faith of the evidence of things hoped for but not yet seen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for, for memorization of verses. But, you know, we must do our part. Our part is to allow God to be first and foremost in our life. And, yes, to know Everything happens for a reason. Even when you don't understand it. I'm going to bring you to somebody where God just moved in this situation. It was like, God, how are you in this? Joseph. We've been reading through Genesis. The, the, to sum up, Genesis basically is Joseph's life story. The, the part that I'm talking about right now, it's Joseph was sold to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, okay? 20 shekels of silver. Uh, 20 Israeli shekels is equivalent to $5.79. So that's what Joseph was sold to. Joseph's brothers uh, put him in a pit, and then the Ishmaelites came by, and they decided, okay, instead of us killing him here in this pit, we're going to sell him. So they sold him for $5.79. Where's God in that, right? Where's God in that? Well, I'm going to show you. Then Joseph was sold by the, by the uh, Ishmaelites to a slave, an Egyptian slave named Potiphar. Everybody say Potiphar. So now he's doing Potiphar's business, right? He's taking care of everything. Then Potiphar's wife lied on him. So Potiphar puts him in prison. God, where are you? 
Joseph is in prison, right? God always has a plan. God always has a plan. So while he's in prison, someone says, hey, while I was in prison, I had a dream, and, and Joseph interpreted it for me. So Pharaoh says, all right, get him over here. I had this dream, and he wants Joseph to interpret it. So Joseph interpreted a dream for Pharaoh. Now Joseph becomes the person that no one in Egypt could lift a hand or a foot without his consent. He becomes the number one guy. It's Pharaoh, and then it's Joseph. This was a guy who was sold to the Ishmaelites, put in prison, a slave. Where was God, right? Where was God? But you know, in Genesis 50, verse 19, Joseph said to them, this is after now he, his brothers, he reveals himself to them, because there was a famine in the land. And God set this up, that during the famine, his brothers came to Egypt for food. And Joseph, because he was the number one in command, he was the one who supplied their needs. Because God had set it up that way. So here he is now, he's going to reveal himself to his brothers. Genesis 50, verse 19. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Yes, amen. Thank you, Lord, because God always has a plan and a purpose, even when we don't see it. You know, I, I, have, I have sung that, God, you know, what the, what the enemy meant for evil, you turned for good. And when you read it in the scripture and you know this word is alive, it's like, God, it, it looked like evil was upon me, but you meant it for good. But, you know, Joseph's brothers meant him harm, but God meant him good. And it's the same thing Joseph in comparison to us. We all have a choice. We all have a choice. While Joseph was a slave for Potiphar, while he was in prison, while he was interpreting dreams, he was still calling upon the name of the Lord. He was still seeking the face of God. He never gave up on God. He was still reading, praying, still calling out no matter what. And that is the lesson to learn. Because no matter what, even when we don't feel like it, our emotions, I know my emotions for one is a roller coaster. When I'm up, I'm real up. When I'm down, I'm real down. So if I would serve God based on that, forget about it. I'd be an emotional wreck. I don't know where I would be. But thank God that God allows us second chance third chance, 15 chance, you know. God is a God who gives us these opportunities. But when we see the opportunity, we must do our part. We must act upon it. Don't let the opportunity pass you by, you know. God protected Joseph during this time because he always has a plan and a purpose. And, you know, it's just... 
when God does these things and, and we just, we don't know where, where God's at. If you would just, uh, you know, be looking around and God, you know, why, why would you put these voids? Why do you do these things, God? And God is saying, because I am the only one who can fill them. I am the only one who desires to be number one in your life. And you know, I thank God that he sends messages like this. That he reveals his word like this. Because it's during those times he doesn't count you out. You might count yourself out. You might think your, your friends or your family might count yourself out. But God will never count you out. God will never leave you, nor forsake you. He's always with us. All we got to do is call upon the name of Jesus. And when we search him with our whole heart, he will be found. When we diligently seek him. God, you know, I, I feel too far gone. God can't work with that. He can't. We must stop making the excuses. We must say, today, I will choose you, God. Because if God was to come here like he did back in the Bible days, God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He drew a line in the sand. He drew a line. My God. Thank you, Lord. My God, Jesus, Lord, we praise you, God. We thank you, God. If Jesus would draw the line in the sand and he would say, are you for me or are you against me? Because that's it. It's black and white. It's cut and dry. We want to go down the middle. We want to see how close we could get to that line without going over the line. We want to see how much we could do before God will still call us back. But God is saying we don't have to go through that. We don't have to do that. Maybe some of you are in a situation you were never meant to be in. You were never supposed to be down that road. But you took the wrong road. God is saying that's okay. That's okay. I'll bless you where you are. I'll bless you where you are. Just come to me. Come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I will give you rest. So if everyone will please stand. Father God, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you, God, for what you're doing, God. We thank you for the chances and the opportunities, God. I thank you, God, that you have the final say. I pray, God, that our hearts would be moved and unshakable, God. I pray, God, that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness again. I pray, God, that we would know we're not too far gone. I pray, God, that we would believe that you have a plan and a purpose. I pray, God, that you would remove all hindrances, my Lord. Remove anything that's holding us back, my God. I pray, God, that we would search our hearts, Lord, and we would ask you to forgive everything that's in there, God, that's not like you, to make us right with you, my God.
I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, my God. And I pray, God, that if anyone will require prayer, God, if everyone would need prayer, God, that they would run to these altars, God, because these altars are open, God. I thank you for your presence, God. And I pray, God, if they feel that Holy Spirit tugging on their hearts to say, God, I need another chance. I need you, God. I don't know where I'd be without you, God. I'm lost without you, God, that they would run up to these altars, God, because you are here waiting for them, my God. So I pray, Lord, that you would have your way, that you would help us, my God, that you would lead, guide, and direct us, God. Lord, I pray for salvation today, my God. I pray, God, that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven, my God. Here on earth as it is in heaven, my God. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We praise you, my God.